Hello and welcome back to Fitness Behind the Filter with me, Hayley Irwin. Today we're on episode nine and we have my long-standing client and a good friend, Daisy Henson. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So Daisy, give us a little bit of a background story um, about who you are, where you've come from, what you've been through, that sort of malarkey. (laughs) Okay, uh, I'm Daisy, as you know. And I'm 24 and I'm a music student, have been for like four years now. So I've done my undergraduate and my master's and I'm just doing a PhD, just. And uh, yeah, and basically I have had a bit of a life. Um, (laughs) I've had kind of a lot of downs, uh, but we're going up now. And I have struggled kind of all my life with OCD, anxiety, emetophobia, uh, eat like different kinds of eating disorders and like food fears and a really, really poor relationship with exercise. Um, and up until kind of the last year and a half or so, never really thought about changing my life properly. And then just spontaneously was like, oh, Hayley, you look nice. Do you want to be my personal trainer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I haven't looked back like, yeah it's been great it's been amazing to to know you and to know your story and to see the fact that you haven't relapsed yeah no, happened what? a few times before <laughs> yeah um, it's been amazing to watch you like flourish and like we said you know at one point they didn't even think that you were going to be able to do your masters oh god yeah yeah, yeah every week <laughs> oh, every week of my undergraduate I like the whole of my undergrad, I was just not doing great. I, I I had a really good final year, which is what I think lots of people find difficult is that I was doing really badly. But my third year, I actually like had fun. I kind of did this thing um, where I, and this isn't like, I'm not saying do this, but I just sort of agreed with everything in my head. And I was like, okay, well, I want to go out and I I want to compete and I want to do fun riding. I want to do fun things. So I'm going to do it and I'm not going to change my food for it. And I would feel crap doing it. So then I just kind of somehow managed to get it to a place where I could just about kind of keep doing everything, but it was horrible. But then I did have a really good time. So I think that was a really odd situation to be in for me because I was basically going downhill but still kind of doing okay in the head above water yeah but it was it was like every every week or every two weeks or whatever I'd go in and have a meeting and be like please don't kick me out please let me graduate um and they basically did this thing they were like well you're allowed to we'll let you graduate as long as you pass you know and then uh but we won't let you come back unless you get to whatever weight and I was like oh no and then did it anyway because <laughs> <laughs> that's when I met you didn't I so I met yeah. you at the end you hadn't graduated officially yet but you'd finished no, your degree finished. and you were like I've got to be able to get back to my master's like yes and now you're here doing a PhD shit I know <laughs> I genuinely I had forgotten that like I remember saying to you like I have to get to this like certain BMI to be allowed back like I need to do this I don't know how to do it and not like combust Mm. that's so bizarre I completely forgot well that is because I had it in the back of my head without ever bringing it up to you 
Yeah. Because I knew (laughs) as you would approach that, you'd be freaking out. So we didn't focus on that. We focused on strength and getting stronger. Yeah. And that was just something that happened. I'm glad you didn't remember that. (laughs) I did my job as a coach well. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, it was like the least weight focused anything has been, which is like, I mean, mean, obviously like logbook, Mm -hmm. we tracked weights, but, and obviously again, still tracked weight, just kind of as you do normally, but it was so like not important. Mm. So like you would just kind of wouldn't say anything whenever I was like, oh, I made myself and this was it or it was very like not the focus whereas all my previous kind of effectively like treatment and stuff has always been you've done really badly you've lost weight or you've done really well you've gained weight but we're not going to give you support because you've done well so you don't need the support Uh, nhs logic um (laughs) and then because i remember as well saying to you i was like i'm so worried about going back to uni not necessarily because i'll relapse because of uni is difficult because i actually like mentally feel great when i'm studying ask me that in two years actually (laughs) and and i was like i'm so scared about going back to this eating disorder clinic i don't want to be there talking about my weight every week and how i'm feeling about myself when actually i kind of just want to get on with it now and then i just we talked about it for ages and we were like oh we'll email them i'll say i'll go in and i'll check in with them and say look i I, i've surpassed the weight that you said that i had to get to I just never did it and they've never done anything about it. That's awful, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So I, I never, I mean, it's great for me because it means I never had to go back, but. If you hadn't great. had the positive experience though and you just like downward spiraled. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. sad. Yeah. So when did you first go into treatment then? Let's go back to the beginning and talk about yeah. how how you came to your first sort of treatment, whether that's like the first time it was mentioned or noticed or whatever yeah well like even in primary school I was it was noticed that I had anxiety and kind of OCD type tendencies um and I was a bit difficult with food but then I randomly developed this like fear of choking um and I it was really gross and I remember my parents being like mad at me because they didn't know what I was doing but I basically would like put food in my mouth try and swallow it freak out and then like spit it back out but then just like put it back on my plate and then like carry on and then like eat that a bit later it was really odd and um I still very occasionally get this like weird like choking thing and I'm like wait no that's I'm making it up and I'm like giving myself this feeling so even though like I I was probably when did that start oh god I but what's complicated is that I've had emetophobias like fear of vomiting and stuff again since whenever I can remember so even at primary school in like year one year two I used to leave the room if someone said they felt sick and I'd get anxious so my par- my parents knew about that so that was all very kind of accepted that I was just a bit weird about sick but then when it I then started because I had this choking fear that really exacerbate exacerbated the fear of vomit um and food and contamination and my OCD got a lot worse and I at one point I only ate brown bread with marmite 
and oranges like that was it all I had uh for ages because I was so scared of any other food and like I went through phases where I could only have like certain packaged foods or I'd only eat one brand of something um so my parents took me to the doctor um just like my GP who had helped my dad so my dad when I was really young had had you know a mental breakdown but I've kind of like blocked it from my memory but he so my dad has been great this whole time because he's so good about he understands anxiety so we went to the GP and I just used to go and talk to my GP um with my mum and I kind of used to sit there and talk and they I it wasn't really like treatment treatment but it was kind of like there's a problem here I was probably too young to actually understand what was going on um and I did start having panic attacks from like very very early on and I think I can remember having panic attacks in like year two or year three but I didn't know it was a panic attack until about year seven okay um because that was when I had them in front of people and my dad was like, that's a panic attack. Um, and, you know, doctors were kind of like, you're having anxiety. Um, then I kind of got to the point where I could kind of just sort of manage my OCD, manage my contamination fears. And I was picky with food in the sense that I'd be like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. I, oh, I have been a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for when I was like six. Um, I'm going to go on record and say I'm not a vegetarian anymore because I eat fish. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ah. (laughs) This is something we've worked towards, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Such a big deal. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so I used to say that I didn't like certain things just so I could be kind of very comfortable with what I was eating. And I was so bad about going out to restaurants to eat. And I would be like, no, I'll only eat sliced cucumber and uh some tomatoes and like garlic bread or just cheese so weird and so I I really struggled with the anxiety that came with that and obviously because I was so small like as in I was a child not eating enough as a kid is so bad Mm. so I, I was really poorly like really underweight but again this is where you can start to now I look back on it I can start to see there's a problem there there was more than just the OCD because I didn't think there was anything wrong with how I looked. And I, you know, at school, they, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they'd make you like, you get weighed in like science and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to not want anyone in the room when I did it. And I'd always say a lower number than it was. And I'd be like really ashamed about whatever the number was. Um, ignoring the fact that I was quite tall. I, I'd be like, oh, but no, but she weighs less than me and I don't like it. Um, and I used to be like quite happy that I could still wear really young kids clothes Um, but again I was so young that it wasn't really talked about and again I didn't think about oh I should lose weight or I just didn't understand I just knew that I wanted that number to be small and I I wanted to be small Um, but I also used to like correlate food to um like feeling sick so I would be like that was kind of my motivation for it and Mm -hmm. that kind of carried on for ages I got to like a good like healthy weight in kind of puberty but again was always quite small because I was always restricting like I haven't thought about that like I've always had something that I've been like I don't eat this now 
um and I just randomly would be like I, I don't eat fish because I was a pescatarian then vegetarian then I tried eating fish and then I was like no I can't I can't I can't eat fish um and it would just become like a huge big deal um and then I came back oh, so I moved to Australia lol um fun times kind of did okay like was miserable in the sense of uh I hated it there I had some good friends but I didn't like school and stuff how old and I were was, you at this point oof I was uh the ripe old age of 13 okay. to 15 <laughs> and like it was a bizarre experience like some things were really really good um and it is kind of where I was like mm, this is where I'm gonna do I, I want to do music because uh, I went to performing arts school uh but I was so depressed really really depressed really struggled with like self-harm and just really poor self-esteem and I used to kind of try not to eat so much because I thought I was was like I'm getting big but actually what was happening is I was going through puberty Mm -hmm. um so kind of when I turned 14 or whatever that's when I started like developing because I was a bit late and because obviously I'd been malnourished you know during my earlier yeah and so I was like oh my god what is this I don't understand why am I getting bigger I'm not doing anything different and I also um so I had ridden like all of my life sorry I just burped that was gross and then I uh and then I I rode a bit in Australia and then I stopped and then I had a really bad accident not riding uh I fell off a space hopper in the back garden uh and I couldn't ride for ages so I kind of all my exercise kind of stopped uh and I used to get out of PE lessons I'd be like oh I don't want to do it then I got my piano teacher to write a letter being like Daisy is going to be a concert pianist, so she can't play dodgeball or anything. <laughs> uh, and I used to, I did refereeing instead. Um, and then when we moved back to the UK, this is so long-winded. That's okay, go for it. Because then I think, oh God, this has been like my entire life. That's okay, we've got a long time. <laughs> and um, so we moved back to the UK and I went back to the same school that I started at. So I did my year seven and year eight at, and I came back to do year 11. And I was kind of in a pretty good place. Like previously at school, yeah, like if anyone had said, I feel sick or had like coughed, I'd be like, yeet, and like run out of the room. And at my school in Australia, I had a little card, like a, a laminated card thing that was like, this student can leave at any time and like, do not ask, just mm. let them go. Um, which is one good thing that school did. Um, and at Millet, I used to be able to just get up and leave. But then in my year 11 thing, I didn't really have that as a, it wasn't really a problem. Like I seemed to be kind of on top of all my anxiety. And I was like, hell yeah, this is great. And I was just pissing around, doing my GCSEs. I did them in like nine months or something, which was insane. Um, but I had a shit time with all girls. It was all girls school um and they were all bastards uh in what way they well this is gonna ruin your like your chronology (laughs) yeah but like they were all they were it was pretty homophobic um and pretty toxic and they were just generally certainly the group that I kind of hung around with were just not very nice um 
and they were very difficult for me to be around and I think the first day of school I came home and just like sobbed to my mum and I was like I hate it here like I've just moved from one school that I don't particularly like in Australia to a school that I thought I'd be okay at and I was like everyone hates me like I have no friends well which was untrue like I did have friends um it was just so difficult like I don't know if you found it at school the kind of you are just with like one group clicky and it yeah and I I was like I don't like it this is weird and because my school in Australia had been so much smaller and like your year group would like all hang out in one area of the school like you had quads and the year groups were smaller but like the groups in the quads you know you'd be close enough to kind of like you could shout something to them or whatever Mm. um and they mixed up your classes a lot more whereas at my school they in the UK they it was so like rigid and no one seemed to like chat with anyone else which I found just really odd and and people didn't like it well my group supposedly didn't like it if I sat in a different seat at lunch they had like a setup of these girls and it was like a hierarchy from one end of the table and obviously I was right at the bottom of the table oh my god it's like gossip girl literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and I used to get I like I'd get to lunch first and I'd be like hi I'm just gonna sit here like I know that we sit around this area because that's you know I get it creature of habit um and then I'd get there first and I'd get like the extra chairs ready and stuff and sit down and just point myself like in the middle of the table and then the rest of the girls would arrive and be like but you have to move now because that's so-and-so's spot you sit at the end of the table and I was like okay cool so yeah that was great so I struggled with kind of feeling quite outcast Mm -hmm. at school yeah but I was kind of doing okay and I had a very healthy appetite um and was like I would have like a second lunch when I came home um and I actually said to my mum gosh you know I don't I don't think I could I could not eat I just love food but I then think I was kind of like semi tricking myself to make myself feel okay about eating so much food yeah to have my mum be like oh no it's fine like haha of course you can't you've got great appetite so healthy Mm. um because I think that was quite like a loaded statement and I do feel sorry for like (laughs) being like ma'am you said this once (laughs) or I said this to you sorry and you didn't you didn't say anything um but basically year 11 happened that that was that was that and then um the summer holidays in between uh year 11 and college just like wow everything just went horrendous and it was i just started having really bad panic attacks again and i'd kind of forgotten what a proper panic attack was like mm-hmm. and i remember having the day before we'd had uh, Thai food and I'd eaten like the whole tray and I was like delicious and then the next day we were eating dinner and my parents had made some like pasta dish and I was like oh I don't think I'm very hungry and then I was like no something's wrong I don't know what's going on I don't feel okay and obviously that then made my OCD brain be like you're sick you're dying 
blah 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 and then I started like started crying my mom was like oh my gosh she's having a panic attack the and my dad like helped me calm down and stuff and then literally like from that day it just got worse and worse and worse and I basically kind of stopped eating like overnight because I was just I was so anxious um and I was having these huge meltdowns uh kind of like what you were anxious about like what what caused that was it, was was it so, about the feeling sick or how did that yeah yeah it was just it was I constantly thought I was about to throw up like all the time and now I know having done like a shed load of therapy and like programs and stuff I now know it was just because I had horrendous social anxiety and really really low self-esteem and I was incredibly judgmental about me and anyone else and I and I then thought everyone else was the same mm-hmm. so I was like oh everyone's gonna hate me if I throw up and and it and it and because I am obsessive and I am kind of predisposed to obsessing over small things, it just blew up more and more. And I yeah, I used to like panic so much that I would just be like splat on the floor crying because I was like, I can't I I wanna die. I, I actually said to my parents, I was like, Can you kill like can you please kill me? Um, if you think I'm gonna be sick, do you think I'm gonna be sick? I was such a pain in the ass, and I said to my dad, "I was like, can you just just kill me, just murder me?" Because um, I was so scared. Um, and obviously, as I rapidly started losing weight, purely just because I was so anxious to eat. So then I started seeing my GP, a different GP. Then I went to CAMS because I had this huge panic attack, and my parents were like, "Oh my god, can you die from a panic attack?" That's how bad it was. Mm. Um, because I just could not cope with being alive. And uh, this is all in the summer holidays before college as well. So started going to CAMS. They gave me like a mental health nurse, a consultant, blah, blah, blah. But they used to weigh me a lot and talk about food. And because I was obsessive over food and because I like numbers, they would talk to me about calories and things like that. And to start with it was kind of okay because they gave me numbers that kind of made me calm down a bit and like I remember one of my like challenges so when I I saw I saw them over the summer and then I started college and that was you know I was really impressed I actually started Mm. and I started doing 5A levels why I don't know yep (laughs) yeah I didn't continue them good (laughs) started doing 5a levels and my attendance was like down the road like oh never there and I used to find it really difficult and I struggled but I had this uh my nurse was like okay you you had to eat lunch when you're at college and I would at, at the start I would try and I'd be like but after I eat I'm so anxious for such a long time because I think I'll be sick after I eat so that's why I like to eat by myself and and she was like okay well if you can eat within like the first 10 minutes of lunch then you have the whole of lunch to be anxious and then you go to your class and I was like in what way was that ever gonna work (laughs) but but I kind of do it now as an adult I'm like I get a bit funny about eating which is why now when you've you've given me a a pre-workout brownie training life (laughs) (laughs) a pre-workout brownie or whatever and I was like oh my god but how how long before eat like 
training do I have it and you said half an hour and I was like (gasps) but then I've just done it and it's been fine like it was an anxious like thought but actually doing it was fine but I I so in now as an adult previously in the last kind of year for training for riding I'd be like oh I can eat so if I have an hour before training I can eat in the first 10 minutes and then I can be a bit weird about having eaten and then I'll get on and I'll be fine I hadn't realized I've done that so weird oh my god but now now I'm like of course I can eat a huge brownie half an hour before I go and train it's not a problem and you've done it yeah and it's fine I've had great training sessions thank god (laughs) (laughs) otherwise I was gonna be pissed (laughs) yeah can you imagine Um, (laughs) like what is this why is it going wrong (laughs) um but yeah so I was with the with these people for ages and I I know that I started being like oh I'm really good at losing weight like woohoo um and I was like I have a legitimate reason I can just say that I'm too anxious to eat ha and I was yeah it just kind of my brain kind of like slowly turned and it's like the I've always had this thing in my head very very low in the volume saying like you're like you're too big you know, you, you used to be really small when you were a kid, when you had that fear of choking. So maybe you could bring that back um, so you can get small again. And it's like, that just got turned right up. And it was like, no, like you are horrendous. You're a bad person. Like you can't have food. All of that, you know, kind of typical stuff. Whilst I was also having this really bad anxiety. And because I was anxious about food for one reason and then food for there's calories as potential weight gain because the, the goal had been because I'd lost weight sorry to gain weight um but I used to freak out if I lost like even a or sorry if I gained a, a tiny bit of weight and I'd be like oh well now I have to be extra anxious this week so that I can lose that weight again and then if I'd lost weight I would kind of like congratulate myself and be like you don't have to be so anxious today you're Mm. allowed to have the brownie or whatever my parents used to get me food after my weigh-ins which was just hilarious now when you think about it like the go (laughs) afterwards and my dad would be like let's go and get a cream tea and I'd be like oh of course I'd I'd love to (laughs) but like so if I'd gained weight I'd be really anxious and I'd be a a shit bag at whatever cafe we'd been to and then if I had lost weight I'd be like nom 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 because my brain would be quiet Mm -hmm. it was so weird and then I ended up basically kind of I I, I got into really bad habits like behaviors of lying about what I was eating Um, and I kind of had been doing it for a while because I genuinely had been like oops I probably should have had that but I was anxious and I don't want to tell them I'm anxious because I don't want to talk about it Mm. um because that's all I was doing was talking about being anxious. And for me, when I was really ill, talking about why I was anxious, which was sick and vomit, would then make me more anxious. And I'd be like, ah. Yeah. So um, I basically got found out on my 18th birthday, I think it was. So I'd actually, so my diagnosis is kind of, my like diagnosis history is a bit weird because it's like eating disorder 
but not actually it was like atypical because I didn't want to supposedly didn't want to lose weight when I first went to cams or maybe it was 17 when I got found out I think I was 17 yeah um because basically my dad said my dad my parents used to write down how much I ate and they would like work out the calories um and I had said to my parents the day before yeah I drank that chocolate soya milk carton that you gave me uh which I hadn't and I said I'd drunk it and my dad was like oh look that that's the first time you've got to 2500 calories well done and I remember just being like oh and I was like I can't lie that I've done that because that makes me sound fat so I have to say that I didn't have it and now I've said I haven't had it Uh, and everything just kind of went and I was like I'm probably not even having half of that like I can't eat it I won't have it uh I I've like hidden loads of food in my room blah 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 and I I just throw out my lunch I'm sorry and then um we had not like an argument but kind of a big confrontation had an appointment with my nurse and my consultant and they kind of um like coerced me into saying to my because I've been semi talking about it with them and I also had a hypnotherapist I had everyone mm-hmm. um I had been talking with her I'd stopped having hypnotherapy and I started having therapy but not told my parents and just paying and pretending I was having hypnotherapy um and I was like yeah I, I'm deliberately not eating that I'm deliberately not listening to the hypnotherapy I I think I have a different problem or another problem so anyway that was all going on then uh I basically went into a room with my mum with my dad my consultant and my nurse and they were like Daisy has something that she wants to say and I was like oh, no I don't and uh they they were like yeah you have to you have to say it Daisy like that's the first step to recovery and I was like if you think I'm gonna recover and so I had to say to my parent my dad I was like oh they say I have anorexia and I was just such a knob about it and they were like we don't say that like we all agree you agree that you have anorexia and I was like no I don't agree but I will say it for the sake of this meeting yeah and it was just oof it was awful and then I kind of like I had these I got sent home I wasn't allowed to go to college because I was really poorly um wasn't allowed to go to college had these uh like child and adolescent eating disorder nurses from a team from this hospital start coming to my house and like having lunch with me weighing me doing my observations and stuff and I wasn't doing schoolwork. and then I started to be allowed back to college I basically was like I did a week or two weeks and I was like mm, I'm bored now then I had to have my mum come and meet me for lunch every day but me and my mum weren't really talking because she didn't really know what to do and I was just, I was so horrible to everyone. I was so angry and I was so pissed off that I had to go and sit and eat when I was like, but I could be going and walking around the park now and you've ruined my day. Um, and like I used to randomly say, I stay extra at school, at college until the library shut. Cause I could be like, I don't have to eat if I'm here. Um, so everyone was like, wow, you're such a good student. And I was like, I'm really not. <laughs> I just want to go home. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, so then these like eating disorder nurses came over and I just kind of faked my way through it 
and I said like oh no my my eating disorder is different like I'm not actually like anorexic in the same sense as you know the other people that you see are I I just happen to fit the like like physical criteria but I, I'm not actually anorexic I, I just have OCD and I, I just have um metaphobia and anxiety like oh the weight loss wasn't deliberate um and like no I don't have a fear of gaining weight it's so like I really want to get better like I used to say that all the time I really want to get better um and I had a, a recovery Instagram as well and I had uh, quite a few followers lol um yeah, I didn't know that yeah I did <laughs> I was like um oh my god like guys today like uh hashtag uh ed soldier like I just had a biscuit blah 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 but I would take a picture of it and then be like I'm not having that bye-bye please give me praise though I was such a tire I was so manipulative um yeah I used to post these like really elaborate things to be like today I really challenged myself and actually in reality I would have just been like running around my bedroom all day being like I win I'm the best which is just (laughs) insane I was I was really like hate fueled by everyone like and I'd like I'd comment on people's pictures being like, oh, hun, like you should really have more than that. That's not enough. You know, it's not enough. And then be like, hee hee, I'm not having that though. It was, yeah. oh, it was horrible. Um, but anyway, kind of like faked it all, got better, supposedly. Literally got Does discharged. that mean gained weight? Does got better mean gained weight? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is where it's like, mm there was definitely a problem that they should have dealt with. Um, I gained weight and I got to where I was like, I'm a healthy weight now. I'm not gaining anymore. Bye-bye. And it was still like, no, 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 no. Uh, And I (laughs) maintained until I was about like 20 odd that that was a healthy weight. I'd be like, but a healthy weight for me is much lower than anybody else. Um, and I'm like below 18.5 by a long way. Mm. And I'd be like, it's, it's healthy for me. You know, it's for me, it's healthy. I, I'm, I'm petite, which is a lie because I'm strong and turns out it can be quite muscular. <laughs> <laughs> like, Very true. Duh. And um, I, <laughs> I, uh, so I got to this so-called weight or whatever and I was like, now I'm not getting anything. And they were like, wow, you've done so well, so much better. And I was like, yes, of course. And to be fair, I was eating a lot better and I did eat a lot more like variety, but I was very, very controlled still. And it was all like, I had like an internal calorie counter all the time and I couldn't be spontaneous. Um, but I got really good at eating super high calorie foods and like acting fine about about it because I I was so good at calculating in my head um so I had the summer holidays after being discharged and I was like yes I feel so much lies and and just like whoop downhill massively but just anyone about it um I was like very secretive and very I like threw myself into work and I was, uh, I did college council. I did all the open evenings. I was like a academic rep, uh, all this stuff. And, and I did loads of people's, I did lots of recording for people's coursework. Um, 
just so that I could have an excuse to like not pay attention to my body mm. um and I was I, I also I had been on medication for a bit and then I just came off it because I was like it doesn't work um medication for uh they said it was for uh depression but they actually well they actually kind of accused me of um faking my phobia and actually I was bulimic um and that I didn't have a phobia of sick while I was doing was I was binging and purging which I wasn't so they gave me fluoxetine which is they do give it as a treatment for um but it just gave me acid reflux so I stopped <laughs> and um, you cut uh, out a bit then I, you cut out a bit oh, then my internet has just died bombs am I back you're back yeah but I missed that am I, am I back okay um so you Where said fluoxetine was a um was a treatment for and then it went oh so fluoxetine can be a treatment for bulimia um so they tried to say that I was bulimic and lying and then that I was depressed and I was like I'm depressed because I have anxiety I am not anxious because I'm depressed and I was like I I also don't have bulimia so my consultant was horrendous. I, we tried to file kind of complaints and stuff, but it was just, it was too much. Um, but anyway, so I, I'd come off medication. It was basically just free balling, doing my own thing, like on a nice steady path to death. And um, I finished my A-levels. I was really, really sick during my A-levels. Like when I... I ended up being admitted to hospital when I told the hospital I was like I've done really badly but I hadn't done badly in my A-levels please can you give me a letter so that you can tell them to give them a nice give me a nicer mark and I told them what my weight was when I was doing my A-levels and they were like what the fuck How, why were you what and I was like yeah talent I know um and they were like that's not a talent Daisy that's so stupid how did you do that well and I was like I don't know. I just sheer determination. Mm. And uh, so anyway, did my A-levels, really unwell, fucking miserable. Came downstairs one day and I was like to my mum, I'm really cold. And she was like, well, no, duh. Uh, And I just burst into tears. And I was like, I think I need help. I think, like, I can't stop. Um, Went to go see a GP. The GP was kind of useless. Um... And I was like, I think I just need to be referred to adult services, basically. And then I just kind of had a breakdown. And I went from eating not enough, but kind of steadily losing weight, but kind of quite controlled um, and enough to kind of get through the day uh, to just being like, absolutely not. And I went, I was like, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink. And I just went kind of like a catatonic you know like I just couldn't do anything I was so consumed by my brain um and I just wanted to like be left alone to kind of die and um ended up in A&E uh kind of like dehydration type stuff basically my parents like we don't know what to do like she will die um got an emergency like meeting with the adult services 
had an assessment with them and I remember going into the assessment and it's in the middle of summer and I was wearing like trackies and like hoodie and stuff and I was like I'm so embarrassed to be here like I'm so fat like they are everyone in the waiting room is judging me um I don't want to be here I can't believe that this is happening and then I went in had the assessment and I came out and my dad was like what do you think they're gonna do like do you think you can do outpatient still and I was like I don't know I think they were just laughing at me I don't think I'm going to hospital and then my dad uh asked this lady uh I don't know if I can say her name actually because NHS you know well mm. uh, she <laughs> she she was like well I can't tell you that because Daisy's an adult but she, <laughs> she, mm, she may not be at home for very long um and so my like that was her way of being like don't worry something's going in place and then kind of a couple of weeks later because I got given like uh replacement drinks and stuff and I had kind of like a very small amount of that during the day and I spent but after they had said you're going to hospital I started to feel a bit better like in the sense of I didn't feel so scared um a relief almost yeah I didn't feel so scared that I was gonna die like immediately um and it's also and it's horrible I don't think we talk about it enough but I had that like validation that I was haha I'm sick enough to go to hospital I have to go to like a leading clinic blah 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 because I'm difficult and I thought that that was like an amazing thing I think like the ill part of me was like wow you've you've done it like amazing um you've got to the lowest of the low yeah exactly and I little did I know (laughs) that was yet to come (laughs) uh yeah it was really odd so I went I went to hospital had a admission that was just a bit of a shit show I just was like oh my god I don't want to be here please let me out uh ate everything did everything felt like absolute rubbish uh went on different medication sertraline which I'm still on today um changed my life uh but I went on different medication did not engage with therapy was just my aim was to get out I was like I need to leave but basically I they obviously knew what I was doing the hospital um and I also I met my best friend Claire once I was there um and she was the first person one of the first people that I met and I had her and a couple of other girls next to me in the dining room and I remember calling my mum afterwards being like please come and get me like this girl next to me Claire I hope she doesn't mind me saying this she won't <laughs> was crying about baked beans I just I can't be dealing with that uh, there was there was something wrong with the people here and my mum was like yes you, there's something wrong with you too like you need to be there and I was like I'm not like these people but um but now Claire and I are best friends so it's fine um what was your experience I'm, of being impatient like um that admission was really odd like I I actually didn't tell anyone that I was gay okay I I never I that's when I was talking about pronouns before we started I was like what if what if this gets back to my parents somehow because I wasn't like a hundred percent out I was like out to friends sometimes but because I was so ill I was like let's just not think about it Mm. and I was like 
and I also this this whole first admission was just a, one big lie um because literally the first thing I said to my favorite nurse when I went back the second time I was like I just want this admission to be truthful like I don't want to lie anymore um so I went and I expressed my insanity as much as possible to be like I'm not lying I'm not lying I'm not lying because lying is what got me in this place like Mm -hmm. the disorder such a liar um and so yeah I I I had friends in my admission uh in my first admission but I also I was 18 and like only been 18 for kind of six months or something or three months and I felt very young because most people there were like in their mid to late 20s we had a few people in their like 60s and stuff um and I felt very much like a baby and I just wanted someone to look after me. Um, and I, it was just, it was a very scary experience because I didn't know what was going on. And lots of people there had been through it like eight times. They'd, you know, this was their umpteenth stay. And I was like, oh, I'm not as ill as them. So they must think I'm a fraud. Mm. Um, so what's a typical were... day in the life of you like in a, in as an inpatient? I can do a comparison between my two admissions because I, my first admission sounds like a bit of a walk in the park because I did what I was told, but it was like, get up, have meds, uh, have breakfast, have a rest, like an hour, then go to like art or textiles or pottery and things like that. Um, Come home, come home, (laughs) come back to the ward, have lunch, rest for an hour have an afternoon snack, rest, usually go out for a walk in the afternoon, come home. I said home again. <laughs> come back. <laughs> come back. Have dinner, rest. Usually, like, fuck around in my bedroom. Maybe, like, hang out with some of the other patients for a bit. Have meds. Have a snack at, like, 10. And then go straight to bed because I just got my head down but my second admission was insane I and I feel like I'm allowed to use that word because I was <laughs> that was me mm. I was certifiable like very very unwell because I somehow in this first admission I managed to just go like on autopilot and I just went don't act on any of these thoughts and behaviors like you can do it when you get out and like I stopped exercising I just used to walk a lot which I never viewed that as a problem until later on. But I just used to walk a lot. And so I was like, oh, I don't really have a problem with exercise anymore. Oh, I can cope with my OCD. Like I can deal with OCD now. I just know I just got to get my head down, go in the dining room, leave. Um, and I, I was very good at kind of like spontaneously crying because I think I was keeping it all in because uh, I was not ready to kind of let anything go. Whereas in my second, and it was longer because it, sh- it had to be longer, um, about, I think it was like six months after my first one. I, I How long was your first? I think it was four and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my first time away from my parents as well. Because of having anxiety from such a young, young age, I never went to sleepovers. I hated them. Or I'd go and I'd come home and cry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the first time being away from my parents. And I remember them driving me to my next admission and I like, they dropped me off and I was like, all right, bye. 
<laughs> see you later and the previous one i've been like please stay for the entire day don't leave me i'm gonna cry mm-hmm. um but the second one i was like no oh, i know what i'm doing this is i can do this uh but i i basically i used to get up at like five in the morning meds was at half oh, past seven i think um or seven can't remember i used to get up at half past five five exercise like a maniac in my bedroom uh time it so that when they checked on me I could be uh, pretending to be asleep or getting changed or whatever um I had like so many outward rituals that I used to do for my OCD to calm me down or that I felt that I had to do did all that before seven had my meds I used to take me like 20 minutes to wash my hands in the morning because I'd be like, nah, dirty, really, really struggled with it and would try and avoid breakfast, but got like, you know, pushed down. But then I used to want to be the first person there because if my food got brought out and I wasn't there, I wasn't going to have it because someone could have touched it and they might have licked it or done something. Mm. And again, I, I was very much like in my second one I was very much like I would just I'm not having that you can you I I don't care and I fully I did every behavior in the book to get out of eating because I just felt like I just needed to listen to it to calm it down in my head it, I felt like if I did everything that my head was saying I'd feel better but it didn't <laughs> it just made it worse mm. and it was like do more do more do more um and so I, yeah, would have breakfast. I'd fuck around in the rest and I would refuse to sit down or I'd just run away from staff and do like, just be irritating. Um, it got better as the admission went on because I had some friends, like actual friends. Uh, not that Claire's not an actual friend, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but like I had kind of a nice group of girls that I was friendly with that were all about the same age. Um, then I would fake, I would pretend that I was allowed out of the ward because it was a, a locked ward. I'd pretend that I was allowed out and I'd go and find an unsuspecting member of staff that didn't normally work there and be like, you can let me out. Bye. I'm going to go to art. Um, and I would walk over to the art building, sign in, say hi to the teachers and then be like, okay, Bye. And then they would ring my ward and be like, oh, she's done it again. Like, she's just walked off. I don't know where she's gone. You'll, you'll, she'll be back at some point. And I'd basically just bugger off for the whole day, go running. Um, and I'd occasionally come back at lunch and then go straight back out again. And I just kind of used to do that every day for like months and months and months. And my exercise was so bad. Um they actually thought I'd broken my back. They thought I had a, uh, com- is it a compression fracture? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. In my back, because I was doing so many sit-ups that like my spine had like, it started to break through the skin. And then I had this huge like fluidy lump and they were like, that's a sign of a fracture or whatever. I don't know. And they were like, you need to go to A&E. And I was like, mm, nah. Um, so I got made to go to A&E and they were like, you, you have to take 
like lunch replacement drinks with you or, or actual lunch. And I got sent with a nurse who I like, I was not very nice to her a lot of the time. Got sent with her and I was like, we were in the waiting room. She's like, you sit down. I'm like, no, I don't want to sit down. She goes, well, okay, well, it's 12 o'clock. You have to have lunch now. No, I don't. Uh, and just ran off from her. And I was like, bye. And I was walking around with the potential broken back. And I was like, everything's fine. I'm great. It was uh, exercise was my life because what happened is that to because I complied, I started to comply with the food because I hilariously like I managed to kind of lose weight because of I was doing so much exercise. Yeah. So I was happy, not happy, but I was okay to have the increase because I was like, if I can just kind of keep doing what I'm doing, that's fine. But obviously each time you get increased, my exercise would go up because I'd yeah. be anxious. Um, and I was the only person there at one point that that continued having like a morning snack because how they did it, they didn't do morning snack. They just did like bigger meals and stuff. But when you first arrived, you had like a cup of milk. And I was still, I used to go in, oh, I was, oh, fuck, oh, I can just, I know how full I was Oof, thinking about it. And I used to go in after breakfast, an hour after breakfast to go and have second breakfast and, and a cup of uh, this stuff called Maxi Jewel, which is just, it's just pure carbohydrate. It's like just sugar in a cup. And I remember being like, Ugh! and I had that like, three times a day. It's um, but because I was complying with all these things, I, my compensatory behaviors were so bad. And that I think was what has, what ended up staying with me for a long time. It's the compensatory behavior. Cause mm-hmm. we worked a lot with that, with like, you can go out for a meal and you don't have to deal with it later. Like it's, you're just allowed to, to have the meal, have that meal and enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, that admission was amazing, saved my life. Um, what made I, you? What made you flick the switch then? Well, I don't know. I was kind of just. I got to the point where, well, basically, I got to the point where we sat down and had a meeting, and they were like, "If you don't start making changes, uh, we like we don't care that you're gaining weight, but if you don't start making changes to kind of to have a life." that isn't so fueled by the OCD and the exercise, we will have to section you to force you to stop. And I was like, well, you can't, you can't do that because I'm gaining weight, I'm gaining weight. And they were like, but that's not what the problem is right now. Like, mm. we're really happy that you're complying with the food, but that doesn't matter. Your life is miserable. And they were kind of worried that I'd get to a weight where I'd be very uncomfortable and asked to be discharged, get discharged because I'd be roughly allowed to and then just die because I wouldn't be able to cope Mm. um so I can't I just started kind of doing what they were saying like I did a lot of exposure work with my two nurses like my named nurses and they both were very sporty people as well so we used to talk about exercise and we used to go for walks and it would we just kind of talked about how to exercise normally and like how much training is, is enough training and blah, blah, blah. And it was, a they did, they questioned me a lot. 
they they were very harsh which I found really really helpful um and I and they didn't let me stop at the weight that I said was a healthy weight for me which is what I had done the previous submission I'd said oh I'm at a healthy weight and they were like well okay you can't stay here because you're not engaging with treatment so Mm. you have to leave whereas I pushed past that and I made the commitment like the actual commitment to kind of get to a proper BMI 20 like go for it weight um and I carried on going like and I, I I was in a really good place and I did this thrive program um outside of the NHS paid for it myself which was a really big deal um and that was really good and that really challenged me and I because I, I basically I wasn't allowed therapy on the ward because I made my therapist cry oh my god <laughs> I'm a, he uh he got really upset because I said I basically I was really ill one day I had a cold and he came out and I was getting some paracetamol and he came over and he was like oh Daisy uh you, you have therapy now and I was like no I don't and apparently that was very rude um and we had to have like a meeting about it and they just said well you can't have therapy now on the ward uh sorry I was like that's fine I don't care it was useless um and I found my own therapy basically uh privately uh and my ward were actually quite happy with it and it was a lot of um practical kind of things and there was no talking about your past which was nice because it meant that I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't do what I'm doing now and just like talk about me for ages and Mm. not actually talk about how to change um, which I'm incredibly, I feel so bad that I've just talked for like a bazillion hours. That's right. <laughs> just like cut loads of it out. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she's so boring. Whoa. No, 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 no. So this new therapy then, talk yeah. a about what, why that was so different for you. So obviously you could work on being practical. Mm, yeah. And it was very much uh, getting you to think about the very basics of what was made. I'm doing a triangle for anyone that wants to know. <laughs> uh, for the very like basics of what what the issues are and like where issues come from, but not what caused them, if that makes sense. So it was um, self-esteem, locus of control. So whether you're external, internal, and then self uh, unhelpful thinking patterns. And like behavioral styles and stuff and it was if you increase your self-esteem your locus of control will become internal which is what you want because being external is you'll get affected by things outside of your control which will then make you feel worse um and kind of surrendering your control so it would be really simple things like the consultant I saw James who was just amazing I bless my dad used to pick me up from hospital in kind of the like greater London area then drive me all the way to Cambridge for a session an hour or two hour session with this guy James and then drive all the way down south to like West Sussex in one day just so I could have this session and like it was amazing he was so good Um, but James used to be like okay this week if your OCD says do this five times sit there and go what is 
going to happen if I do it six times? What's going to happen if I do it four times? And when you sit there and you look at your answers and you just go, nothing. It was very, it was very like no nonsense kind of stuff. Um, that was such a bad advert for it, but it's really good. And it, a lot of it was about seeing the positives, but not being ridiculously over, like, over positive you know uh, what's it called toxic toxic positivity yeah it was a very it's very anti that and it's being it's accepting that you're feeling shit and then going that's fine um and i did it mostly for the ocd and the emetophobia like i wasn't quite ready yet to let go of the anorexia mm-hmm. um but i was kind of doing it and i got to like a goodish place and i actually so then I had a year when I got discharged, I had a year before I wanted to start university. Uh, Cause I should have gone the two years before that or whatever. Um, but I was in hospital and I, I had a whole kind of year to work with, or just under a year to work with James and to work with my eating disorder team in the community and like get ready for uni. And I, for the first time ever like carried on gaining weight outside of hospital carried on kind of engaging with treatment like I used to go out for cakes and stuff with my support worker and things like that and it was really good mm-hmm. and I was in a really good place and my anxiety was a lot better um and I went to uni and I had a really really good first term and I had fun I met this girl um and we were seeing each other and it was great and then went home for Christmas, had a lovely time. And then I came back to uni. Uh, and then these girls who'd been my friend for a term just <laughs> turned on me. And I got to the point where I was calling my mum, like sobbing, because they were standing outside my door being like, we can hear you crying. Uh, just come and talk to us. Like, we won't do anything we won't say anything but they were just they were hateful absolutely hateful um made me want to drop out because I had spent the whole of my first term hanging out with them and not making friends with anyone on my course so I kind of shot myself in the foot and then I actually moved out of my accommodation I moved in with my girlfriend which was bold considering I enjoy being by myself um and just kind of shut myself off from everyone in my year um especially in my you know my accommodation and my halls and literally as soon as that happened as soon as these girls just turned on me uh, one girl also said uh, I came home from as in I came back to uni after being at home for a weekend visiting my parents and I came home and I was wearing my pajamas and she was like you you've you've gained weight like you've got a fat belly and I was oh like, my God. Ooh. And like, they all knew my kind of history because we had been friends. And I was like, you can't say that to anyone. Like, but certainly not someone that said this is a problem. Yeah. And so uh, after I basically, the whole, the rest of my uni career from that was me just actively relapsing. That was meant to be a downwards, actively relapsing. Um, Yeah. And like fighting to stay in and my exercise just went bananas all I used to do was walk and run so then when I came to you 
I was like, I've had a gym membership for however many years, but I've literally only ever used a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to stop. Um, yeah. And I got like, I got really poorly again. And um, me and this girl broke up as well, which is fine. Like it needed to happen. Um, we weren't good for each other anymore. Like it ran its course. But then I didn't even have, I didn't have her to like fake it for. Mm. Not in that way. I didn't have a true goal. I didn't have it. I didn't have her coming up at the weekends to eat normally mm. so that then I'd do okay during the week. Like I just got to the point where I was like, I can do what I want forever. Ha ha. And I'm studying and I'm losing weight and I'm doing all this. And I like quit therapy. I was, I went to see a psychologist and a psychiatrist because uh, the uni suggested it, went to this hospital and I was like, I don't want to do it. And the issue that I was having as well is that because I'd been ill and I've had cu- sorts of eating disorders for such a long time, I came under the SEED diagnosis, so severe and enduring. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like, we don't offer treatment for that. And I was like, great, uh, brilliant. God, uh, what do I do? And um yeah, I finished my degree. And I, for some reason, I, during my last term at uni, I really went for it, like studying, but I really went for it going, I want to live. I just don't know how, which is where I said at the beginning, where I think it was saying, I just did everything. Yeah, I just, I just did everything and felt like absolute crap doing it. But I kind of taught myself or showed myself what I was missing out on. And I was like, if I'm having so much fun doing this, but I'm like running on empty, imagine how much fun I could be having if I wasn't thinking about food. Mm. Um, And I had been competing for the university riding. I'd been competing that year, my final year. And I'd had fun, but like, I knew that I wasn't as, as good of a rider as I could be because I was so tired and like I used to get put so I'm five foot seven and I used to get put down as smallest rider and we had a girl on my team that was like five foot two or five foot one because I physically could not cope with a big horse because I was so small and like weak but because I and I cringe to say I am a good rider I could kind of cope with it like I could ride I just needed things to go well like smoothly and and I was, yeah, I was, I loved it. I really enjoyed the competing. And I, I remember that like we'd have lunch was provided, but I'd bring my own lunch. I also as well, as I've got older, become kind of unable to eat certain things, partly because of genetics, partly because of, I fucked around with my digestive system for like all my life by not eating and then eating and then not eating. So I used to bring my own lunch, but there would have been things that I could have eaten um like crisps and stuff but I'd go and stand outside and be like oh no I'm on the phone or I can't I can't come in and I was like I'm missing out on loads of fun stuff like everyone's having fun I can hear them all laughing and I'm standing out here in the cold so then I just started kind of integrating back into social life that I'd never really had but I I wanted to enjoy it I wanted to join in so then when I went back for my master's I remember texting you being like oh my god I have a competition tomorrow like what do I do and you're like make pasta take it with you 
you can sit in the room. And then I was like, but like, now I'm hungry. And like, I actually think I need to eat more. And you're like, yes, <laughs> have more. Amazing. <laughs> There's things there that you can eat. Choose them. <laughs> exactly. It's like. And then oh, you yeah. put your pasture back up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, re- I remember taking stuff and like making sandwiches and then being like, it's cool. There's stuff here that I can have. It's great. I'm having a good day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've just like word diarrhea, verbal diarrhea at you. Ask no, it's been really good. It's been really <laughs> nice to see that, that side of things. So in terms of eating, mm-hmm. where are you today? Well, right now I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm in a really good place. I have a wonderful meal plan from you that when I live by myself, cause IOP I'm living at my parents at the moment. Uh, thank you. Coronavirus. Uh, but while I'm living by myself and I'm at my flat, I follow it pretty strictly in the sense of, I know that I, I won't piss around with it. Mm. So it says, I'm saying how much pasta I have. It says hundred grams of pasta. I'm like, it's a hundred grams of pasta, nothing more, nothing less. It's great. Let's do it. Let's have it. Mm. Um, and then we have, you give me like planned kind of lunch out, dinner out, kind of fully off plan, just have what you want and then make sure everything else is still good. Um, and when I say good, I mean eating enough. I don't mean yeah. good foods <laughs> and bad foods. Just to clarify. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> do, do, doing well, like having enough, yeah. Um, and like if I'm concerned, I'll text you and be like, oh, I had this, this and this instead of this. What should I do? And you'll be like, have extra X, Y, Z at dinner or have extra peanut butter at your snack, which is chef's kiss. Amazing. Mm. um but living at my parents it's very different and coming home and living with my parents my parents have dealt with me through all all of my various stages of eating disorder recovery relapse whatever so and we talk about this a lot like they struggle with kind of the idea of a meal plan like and eating the same thing every single day they don't struggle with it but they kind of to them it looks disordered Mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm in the place now where I can, I know my meal plan off by heart. I know roughly what I should be having. Um, so I can look at what I'm eating during the day. I mean, breakfast and kind of snacks and things are up to me, but, and usually lunch, but I'm lazy. So they make it. Um, but I just, uh, I go, I know how to be sensible about this. Like I, I know that there is maybe no protein in this meal. So at breakfast I might have extra protein uh if I know what I'm having for dinner or I I'm now so flexible when it comes to food within reason because I have like dietary requirements which are a a pain in the butthole but Mm. other than that and and to be fair even with that if if the only thing I can eat is like if the only gluten-free thing that I can buy is pasta or like I don't know, something bizarre that's not necessarily in my head, lunch food, I can still have it because I understand now it doesn't, it doesn't matter when you eat something, it's just food. Um, it's a bit like numbering meals rather than 
saying breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, yeah, I think we've worked so hard on having kind of a nondescript relationship with food. Yeah. Like, so it's so kind of just fine and nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, and we've worked know, hard to challenge those things about when you can eat certain things <laughs> oh my God. in terms of timings. Do you remember that first work shift I made you eat? Lunch oh, Jesus. Um, oh, that was... And well, the other and day, foods. the other day I had lunch at 11.50 without even thinking about it because I was like, Jesus, Mary, I am so hungry. I need to have food right now. Good. Whereas previously, I would have been like, hey, no, I can't have lunch before at least 12. Like 12.10 is early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having pasta for lunch and stuff. Instead of having it as a dinner food. Yeah. Oh, man, that was mind-blowing. And I was such a butthole about eating before that we used to have my in-person sessions on a Wednesday before I went to work. And I'd have to send you a picture of prep lunch yeah. from my car and be like here's me eating it <laughs> <laughs> and, exactly. and as well like when I well, like getting put on getting put on no, asking to go on a meal plan when I moved back to uni mm. we were like mm, how's this gonna go and I kind of every you know my check-ins I'd be like oh it's been okay I've kind of done it and then we did the checklist and I checklist you and when I got to the point of actually fulfilling everything every day, like food wise, it just kind of dropped off. Like I didn't need to do it. Mm. Whereas now in my check-ins, I'm like, yeah, no food, mostly fine. Maybe I wasn't hungry here or blah, 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 but it's pretty good. Like, and I eat as well. I eat off meal plan if I'm hungry. Yeah. Like you're not, re- you're not restricted by the meal plan. It's just a, uh this is the the minimum that you can have yeah it's not a you can only eat this yeah which is what i think people are worried about when they hear the word meal plan yeah Um, and And also you've got to think about the fact that every other kind of meal plan that you've had (laughs) in the past has led you back to square one even maybe minus one (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so it was about teaching them wasn't it we were talking about this about teaching them that this is different in terms of yeah. like just showing them like you've yeah. got to you've got to prove it to them that it's different yeah yeah and it's become kind of a joke as well between my parents and I that when they go out for dinner with their friends or whatever I always have tuna pasta or like salmon and pasta and they go oh why are you having your supposed like meal plan food and I'm like because for some amazing reason I'm allowed to eat what I want and I actually choose my meal plan is like my favorite foods mm. so of course I'm happy to eat that every day and my dad will be like but you have that every day don't you get bored and I'm like but if I got bored we'd change it yeah it's fine like I I understand and I I feel like the novelty of food still hasn't quite worn off like and it's and because ha- obviously you're on like relatively speaking like a larger amount of calories because you're yeah. in a building phase to build muscle yeah you you have a big variety of food it's not yeah. like you're just having like chicken and veg for like five meals <laughs> a day do you know <laughs> what I mean you've got lots yeah. of different types of food yeah I've said to okay no the weirdest food like everyone always like 
gets really mad at me when I'm like, no, this is a really good meal. Was the uh, a gluten-free bagel, fish fingers, <laughs> avocado, and like salad with ketchup. <laughs> and I remember like, <laughs> I remember being like, hmm, that's going to be weird. Fucking brilliant. Amazing. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's been great. It's just, oh, it's wonderful. I love it. Oh, I love my meal plan. Good. I'm I, and I like, I like to say like, I have no fear of carbs now because we we carb all the time. We carb all the time. We yeah. we carb. We have good fat. Like I have chocolate multiple times a day. Like oh, a peanut butter whenever I want. Amazing. I the the idea of like a fear food now just doesn't quite make sense because mm. I can see the nutrition. Like you see I can it in a see, different way. Yeah, I was going to benefit the you. Point. Yeah, the point of having this is to like grow, to continue, to like be strong. And I understand like what all the different kind of food groups are doing, what the point of them is, and and what I need more of, and that's like the main thing I think as well. And that also is like TMI to everyone, but I got my period back with you. You did. Oh, almost a year ago yeah couple of months next month yeah yeah i think i sent you a message being like oh my god i got my period yes and i nearly like cried (laughs) we had a period party we did (laughs) but i think like for me previously i've struggled to maintain my period because when i've been vaguely maintaining at like a vaguely healthy weight i kept my fat my dietary like fat very low um and i was not getting a well-rounded kind of nutrition panel mm. whereas now i've maintained it for a year or give or take because i have a much overall in my head in my sick head i would say that my my intake is so called unhealthy and like has what we call naughty foods or whatever yeah. in society but actually it's so much actually genuinely healthier mm-hmm. than what I have previously thought of as healthy eating. Yeah. Completely. Like it's just, it's so weird. Such a Because you eat the rainbow and you eat <laughs> like so many different things and you have yeah. lots of different protein sources, carb sources, fat sources, so that your body is thriving. Like exactly. literally. Yeah. And you have grown so much like mentally and physically like if I think back to like 18 months ago yeah not even that it was like May wasn't it May last year yeah and now you have baby muscles and the first time you had you were struggling (laughs) to deadlift 10 kg (laughs) hilarious I know and now I'm like oh shall I go up to like 140 on leg press today how am I feeling exactly you and couldn't the first even do the machine. We, no, I couldn't. I remember the first time we did the plate loaded machine and you were like, that's 75 kilos. And I was like, genuinely gobsmacked. I mean, I was sat on the chair and you were sat on the floor next to me because you were prepping and you were like, dying. <laughs> and you were sat on the floor and you were like, yeah, no, it is. And I was like, no, no, is it? <gasps> is it really? Oh my God. And you were just like, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Get going. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was great. And as I said, mentally, now you're able to concentrate 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at uni, which is always a bonus. That's um, insane, yeah. And challenge yourself like daily. Yeah. And it's, we've gone from like everyday messages of things like, I really wanted to run today, or I even, oh, yeah. I ran today. Yeah. Like, I don't remember the last time you sent me a message like that. No. It was early on, I think, in my master's. And I remember being like, I feel so ill now. I don't want to do it. Well, I had to go sit in my car at the gym. And I was like, what was the point in that? I don't want to... Because I said it a few weeks ago in my check-in, didn't I? Like, oh, I went out with the intention to run. And then was like, that's not going to help me grow. Mm. And I was like, that is such a huge mindset change. Um, and I think one of the best things you ever said to me ever has been like uh but if you run you'll waste all the hard work building muscle Mm. you're not going to be strong by running like that what are you doing it's not going to get you yourself out yeah and i i remember you being like you're just tying yourself out for basically nothing what you're burning calories great now you have to go and eat more Mm. and i was like this woman is a genius oh my (laughs) god (laughs) and i was like oh my god i don't need to run anymore this is great and, and like, can I also I, say, like, you're such a better rider now. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I was actually watching some videos from my final year of my undergrad. And I was like, why did they put me on a team? That was, how was I riding? Like, how am I staying on? I do not look okay. And now I'm just, I'm like all quads and I, I'm ready to go. And like, <laughs> there's no you control me. horses. Yeah, exactly. And like everything, every area of my riding has improved. Like I get comments like great core, great, like great leg, like no movement in your leg, things like that. And previously, like I just would, my jumping was so bad because I just kind of like crumpled as I went over because I had no energy to like hold myself stiff in the middle and I had no core. Whereas now I can fly over a jump because I have enough in me to like hold me to hold me upright and Mm. and I always I actually always eat before I ride whereas I would have previously used it as kind of an excuse like I said earlier this like timing I'd be like oh not enough time can't eat before I ride but now I ride in the mornings at like seven with a friend and uh lots of people I know would say no I'm I can't have breakfast at you know, half past five, and I'm up there with, like, porridge, peanut butter, and I've got a snack for after, and I'm like, no, I'm hungry, we're having breakfast now. Yeah, my my girl. Yeah, all my sport has increased in kind of uh, a performance, you'd say. Your performance Um, way. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. And, like, and now I can see, like, I can see usually my kind of physique as a physique rather than oh I'm fat or oh this looks wrong and like of course yes I sometimes have those times when you're like wow I cannot look at myself today but that doesn't impact my day anymore Mm. all it all it does is kind of impact me in the sense of how I'm feeling but it doesn't stop me from having all my food and it doesn't stop me from training and it and also as well, I train in a sports bra now. Yes. Like, I, that happened over lockdown. I started doing it at my parents' house in the garden. And I was like, well, if I can do it in the garden, 
I'm sure I can do it in the gym. And now I'm like, (laughs) yes. And I remember being like, oh, I'll never be like that. And I don't care. It's It's good. Yeah. One more question that I want to ask, and I don't want this to be like a rushed thing stuck on the end, but as we touched on before, you are gay and (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) shit in case you didn't realize i did not know my attraction to women did not show me that (laughs) do you think your sexuality or like coming to terms with your sexuality or telling your parents or friends linked towards like your anxiety or your mental health in any way definitely like i kind of had this feeling that like oh this is another thing that makes me a bad person or like that I should be depressed about so I can kind of pin it all on that and I actually did have this kind of weird complex where I was like oh if my if I'm out to my parents and stuff and my parents say that they love me I I won't be ill anymore because I kind of in my head was like I'll just never be out so I can I can always be ill I can always be sick uh and then my mom was like I know that you're uh you like girls uh so and I was like yes and then I had this moment of shit I don't feel any better and then I think that was when I was like I had this realization that actually my eating disorder was not caused by me being a bad person because I'm gay or whatever it was you know other things but definitely my anxiety was I felt like I so if, if you think about if you link it to the emetophobia like that's a, a, a worry of something coming out of you that you can't stop and I think I kind of can can view the sexuality in the same way like mm-hmm. I was sometimes worried that like something would come out and I wouldn't be able to stop it and I'd expose myself and and everyone would hate me and that was that's just another way of seeing social anxiety um and I I used to be very like picky with who I talked about with what and I and as an as a kind of a more mature adult now I'm picky with who I talk about what with but purely out of like safety you know Mm. there are still people that are shit um and so I like I said I have to like kind of read the room a bit but um but it's not something I'm embarrassed about and it's not something I'm ashamed of it is genuinely more like I don't I don't want an issue here. I don't mm. have an issue, but you may have an issue. So I think that's kind of it, like where it kind of all intersected. But then I also found, I remember telling you the first time I'd slept with someone <laughs> after, <laughs> after I'd like got like, you know, back on track and stuff. And I remember being like, I, why do I, what? I haven't felt, I want to sleep with people. What <laughs> I is have this? a sex drive. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you saying that and you were like, it's weird, isn't it? And I was like, I don't, I can't what (laughs) it was so weird because when i was when i'm actively being ill when i have actively being unwell you just don't think about it you can't like and i know energy yeah and you've said before like it's it's like an easy way to like not feel shit about not having a partner is you're like well i'm not interested so yeah it doesn't matter like no one would want me that's fine because i don't want them Mm. And it's like this weird, like protective kind of bubble thing. Like it's very much um, like self-preservation, I think. Um, yeah. 
I think also one of the best things that you said though was that when you started getting better and you'd had sex you were like I feel so much better in myself like more confident in your body yeah yeah instead of seeing yourself as not a woman or whatever yeah. yeah I find it it was so weird like I send you all my like thirst shots. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, look at this, look at my boobs. This is great. Yeah. Um, and I like previously was so repulsed by myself and I was very much a like, turn the lights off. Um, do not look at me. Do not talk about me. Do not mention my body. Mm. Um, whereas now I'm very like, 90% of the time very very comfortable and I can I I don't know if this comes from learning about like training and such I can look at myself objectively and subjectively now mm-hmm. because from training I can I understand training xyz muscle is going to improve or grow which is when I say improve I mean grow like mm-hmm. let's be honest with everyone in the room I'm not cutting (laughs) (laughs) i'm good doing this um i i can look at it and be like okay well i think you know my my glutes are are good but i think maybe they could grow here and i know how i'm going to train them is this and we can talk about that in in my check-in but then i can also look at myself and go yeah no it's all right it's body it's cool it's good like Mm -hmm. it's subjectively like i have a figure like i have a woman um and then objectively too, like, I don't know, it's, it's a very odd thing. And I think people that have had eating disorders have a very odd relationship with their body, even if they are doing well, mm-hmm. because for, for people recovering from uh, substance abuse and kind of alcohol problems, they can just move away from it and never see it again if that was what they want. But for for lots of us that have had problems with food in their bodies, we have to see you. You have to see your body every single day. And you have I to always say that about like, yeah. re- like having an addiction to food or not wanting food or whatever, having an issue around food, you can never get away with that. And I always say that's my mum, actually. I always say, yeah, it's not like a drug or drink where you can abstain from it. Mm-hmm. You have to have it every day exactly and I think it's really difficult as well like you whenever I say in my check-ins oh I feel shit about my thighs today or whatever um also have you noticed that when I'm feeling good about myself I use like terms like quads and glutes and stuff and then when I feel shit I'm like my thighs Thighs. are big (laughs) yes I've decided thighs is a bad word but oh well but whenever I say that to you like I'm feeling bad about my body you always reply with bad body image is a thing that people deal with like Mm. that doesn't necessarily because I get very worried about relapsing and not having realized it or I get I am just scared of losing the life that I have now which is like so much better and you always say like having bad body image doesn't mean that you're suddenly doing really badly and that you are now fully anorexic again and you're gonna have a shit time like Mm. the which I think lots of people might find that slightly conflicting because you know usually when you say I feel fat you want someone to say no you're not fat you like you're da, da, da. but you don't do that because mm-hmm. that you understand that you're you'd be pandering to that bit of 
illness that's still in my head. Yeah. And by saying every like normal people have bad body image days, there's no one that's happy with themselves all the time. It's kind of reminding me, literally reminding me that I am a normal person in the sense of that I feel normal people things, but also reminding me that I haven't suddenly changed back to who I used to be. Yeah. It's about knowing it's not accusing every thought you have as a disordered thought. Yeah. It's about Which I think is something you can get into the habit of doing, which I have certainly done in the past. Yeah. It's about distinguishing between those two things. Yeah. And having someone like having a coach that just gets it immediately. I don't have Mm. to explain myself. I don't have to be like, oh, because I have an eating disorder, this sometimes means and I think that you were a good challenge when I needed it like and you are a good challenge when I need someone to be like come on like stop doing that mm. and the fact that you you didn't you never kind of said oh no no try again a bit harder next so you could be okay you're like okay next meal try again like yeah we're you still have the rest time. of the day exactly and I was like oh my gosh this girl she's gonna get me to places I've never imagined yeah, and I great. think actually that is the good thing, like you said, about people who have been through it and have understand where you are. I know a lot of people are quick to judge people who yeah. coach when they've had an eating disorder or whatever. Yeah. But I would be very inclined to say that sometimes it can be really beneficial. I yeah. can't speak for everyone. Like, I don't want to speak for every coach, but... yeah. You know, I, I would never say that I've put anything negative. Yeah. On do you, you feel do you feel like uh perhaps people look at you now as a coach and go, Well, by her coaching, she's she's just feeding other people or she's she's putting her disordered thoughts onto someone else. Um because I would worry about that. Like mm. you know, um I don't feel it as in people actively picking out at me but I've seen lots of posts about coaches who have eating disorders and and they shouldn't be putting that on um Mm. and what it's made me realize is that I am not that coach who would ever put anything on anyone else yeah and I regardless of how I'm thinking or feeling or what stage I'm at whether that's prep off season struggling happy whatever yeah. My coaching stays consistent in what I teach you guys. Yeah. Like I never change my opinion and go, you should be wearing your letters out. Or <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like if I'm struggling, like whereas I, I know yeah, another I, coach who I've heard criticized because she's made people weigh the lettuce, track the squash, all of this Lord. sort of thing. Which is actively being controlling in a bad way right and showing kind of bad bad relationships mm. food so I've never felt like actively penalized as such or attacked yeah but I like to try and stand up for the ones who are still doing good to other people yeah Yeah. I think I I mean I don't know you can get rid of this if you don't want to talk about it but I think that so you struggled this year Mm mm-hmm yeah, I never felt like as a coach that, as in I never felt like you as as my coach were being like 
I'm doing really bad. This is how I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. And, and the fact that like when I was having and I've been having panic attacks and stuff, you've still been like, you know, get through it, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, you've been so amazing and I think whilst it's difficult to have, because, you know, it's like a professional relationship, but also like not yeah. of the, the nature of the beast of coaching is so intimate. Yeah. I think it's been so, you've, you've done amazingly at kind of keeping a positive coaching outlook while still being honest about how you're doing, you know, to an extent, mm. as everyone is, you know, you have to keep some things to yourself. I, I don't know. I just, I, I just think it's you've done you've done really well even though you've not been doing well if that makes sense oh that's made like, me so happy yeah that's all I mean that ever nicely. strive to do is keep your like professional life and your private life and like you said it, it's not separate mm. but not allow you guys to feel it in a negative way yeah or to, like try and make it about me which obviously I wouldn't do but you know like if you ask how I am obviously I'm not gonna lie to you and say exactly I'm doing great <laughs> yeah but I try and put a positive spin on it like you said yeah and oh. I think that's that's great but don't fake the positives you know yeah exactly like I Instagram's not that. real <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so just to finish off then, final thing, um, what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Oh my gosh, that, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird because I try like, I'm not like distanced from myself, but I just don't recognize her. Or someone going through what you went through. Yeah, right I now. would say the the biggest thing that I've done is just try and experience life just try just what's Mm -hmm. the worst that can happen at the end of the day you know that you can you can ultimately do whatever you want like good or bad Mm -hmm. so what's the harm in trying the kind of good stuff first and having that bizarre and I think only other people that have had kind of eating disorders problems will understand this having this knowledge that actually you could just turn around and do whatever you want. And when I say do whatever you want, I mean like be unwell. Mm. But I can kind of guarantee that you're not going to pick that. If you actually start living life, you're going to be, you'll forget. You Hopefully you'll get to the point where, you know, it's really not a problem. And that someone can then ask you, what advice would you give? Like I have never had so many people say, in the last kind of six months like oh if you know if you're if someone's going through this what would you say to them or and I did this article with my friend about sexuality like what would you say to someone about coming out and how would you talk to kids with eating disorders and I think you can get to the point where people ask you stuff like that because you've done it like you've got there you've achieved something um yeah I I would just say literally grab onto life like like it's being ripped out of your hands because that's what the eating disorder is doing it's taking it away from you grab onto it and say no like I am it's gonna be hard and it's difficult and it's sometimes you think it's even harder than being ill like you feel worse but that's because it hurts when something dies in you you know and that thing that you're killing is is gonna kill you first if you don't stab it in the bum 
Um, <laughs> I went from like really profound to I'm actually a child. <laughs> <laughs> you got the message across well. So, Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Literally. And where can people you find you? Me. Oh my gosh. Uh, plug. So Instagram. <laughs> so I have a professional Instagram now for my composing because I'm clever apparently. Uh, yeah. So at Instagram, just Daisy Henson composer. And then my regular Instagram, which is just pictures of horses, is just my name, Daisy Henson. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and you can contact my publisher and all this stuff. <laughs> but, thank you oh, so much, honey. Thank you. Oh.